Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 170, featuring the top five Lower Decks season four moments. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I'm the host of the Trek Ranks Podcast. And tonight, we are infiltrating Nova Fleet to get up close and personal with the fourth season of Star Trek Lower Decks. Tonight is the top five Lower Decks season four moments. And what a great season it was. Another classic to add to the Star Trek pantheon. And joining us tonight to break it all down, we have two awesome guests First up, she is back for her 11th overall appearance on Trek Ranks, hailing us from Deep Space LA. It's our friend in podcasting for Charlene Schmidt. Welcome back, Char. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Didn't we just do Trek Ranks 100? Oh, my God. I know. They just keep piling up. 170 <laughs> somehow. That was Some... probably forever ago, and yet it doesn't seem like that long ago. So, yeah, time is a warp and... Yeah. Every every two weeks, somehow we have a Trek race up here. And <laughs> our second guest is making his Trek Ranks debut after filling out our awesome Trek Ranks survey calibration we did a few months ago. So we appreciate everybody that filled that out. We're, we're slowly going through it. He's a huge Lower Decks fan, so we're happy to have him on for this topic. Hailing us from the New York sector, it's Todd Keogh. Welcome, Todd. Hello, hello. So glad to be here. So glad to have you on. And I so I noticed in your response to our survey, you mentioned that Lower Decks is one of your favorites. So as we always do for our first time guests, give us a little background on your Trek origin story and how you got into Trek and what's your favorite and have you seen it all? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't remember exactly how I got into Star Trek. I do know that my mother took me to see The Voyage Home in the movie theater, and I was probably like six at the time. Uh, But I do remember that, and I was a fan. And then TNG premiered shortly after I turned eight, and I didn't watch it at first, but the local channel started re-airing reruns every afternoon. And boy, I'd rush home from school and catch those season one and season two episodes, and somehow I got hooked. Um, and then basically from season three on, I've been watching Trek pretty much ever since. That's fantastic. So so, <laughs> so you know that The Voyage Home was your entry point. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I had seen some TOS right, before okay. that, but I really have no memory of that. But I do remember seeing The Voyage Home. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count that as the one with the whales is the one that got me too. I love it. Um, <laughs> and I'll say that TNG is my favorite because that was my childhood. That was my gateway drug, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but I have to admit, I kind of think DS9 is the greatest track of all time. So there is Yeah, that. that's a pretty common refrain. Everyone, I mean, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you what your favorite is. but So TNG is your kind of gateway and your favorite favorite. But acknowledging the greatness of DS9 is something most of our guests end up doing. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and mm-hmm. I have to say, though, I have been so happy to live in a time where we get new track. I mean, I know, and it's great crazy. new track too. It's 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 amazing. It's so it's great. It's crazy. They have absolutely hit a home run on their me- mission of creating all these new variants that feel different and the same universe, but they all do something very different. It's just incredible that this is happening. Five new shows, six. 
Okay, I'm losing count. This is so many. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, let's start with our quick trek breaks recalibration now so we can talk some lower decks. You can recalibrate the regulators now. Will do. Okay, the Trek Ranks Charter has two clauses. One, we rank Trek so we can have a fun conversation about Star Trek. And two, the ranks don't matter. We just use them as the framework to have a deep dive conversation about all the things we love about Trek. Infinite diversity in infinite combination. Words that are a mere shadow of its true meaning. And their true meaning on Trek ranks is basically no wrong answers. This show is all about sharing the things we love about Trek, and we love it all from TOS to TNG, straight to the Enterprise, the Coven timeline, and now Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Short Treks, Lower Decks, Picard. And I said that before in Prodigy, it's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black Alert. Black Alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through the complete Star Trek Lower Decks fourth season and the episode Old Friends, New Planets, which is the 903rd episode of Trek across the past 57 years. And one final reminder, we oh yeah, we don't need the films tonight, so we are not using uh, episodes as a shorthand term for the films, because uh, we're talking Star Trek Lower Decks. Alien frequencies open. Thank you, Mr. Worf. You can hail me directly on Twitter at Trek Ranks or at Enterprise N Extra on Blue Sky at Trek Ranks, and you can see our extensive rankings of all the treks at trekranks.com. And don't forget to call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. At 609-512-5527. Get us some voicemails, people. We're finally caught up on our backlog of voicemails, so we need some new ones. Okay, Char and Todd, let everyone know how they can get a hold of you on subspace. Char. Sure. You can find me at Oh the Profanity, wherever I am on a social network. If I'm there, that's my handle. <laughs> and yeah, chat me one, up. One of our favorites, Todd. How about you, man? Um, so I'm trying to get away from Twitter, a.k.a. The Bad Place these days, yes. but you can find me <laughs> on Blue Sky. I'm Clever Handle here at bluesky.social or whatever it is, but Clever Handle here, you'll find me. Okay, perfect. Yeah, everybody track down Todd. That's how we first connected. Okay, I think we're ready to run a diagnostic cycle to get into today's show. Computer, run a level two diagnostic. So as always, we are using our Trek Ranks Matrix to break it all down for this uh, topic. So instead of just picking five random items, we're going to highlight our top moments via the Trek Ranks Matrix, breaking down top five lower deck season four moments in round five. We're each going to pick our favorite production design element. So that can be anything like favorite ship, prop, literally anything, cinematography, whatever. Round four, we're going to choose our creative MVP. So it could be an actor or someone on the production team, whoever you think was kind of the MVP of the season. Round three is the Dabo round, wild card round. It's complete wild card pick, anything you want to talk about. Round two is all about your favorite character, the one you want to highlight from this season. And round one is clear. It's what we do on Trek Ranks. It's your favorite episode of the season. And then we'll get some secondary systems picks uh, for some of the, the outliers and uh, things that just quite didn't quite make our list. All right, that's it. Let's get into our Prime Directive. I'm dying to hear how you guys broke it all down. Because they know about Prime Directive. They know everything I know, sir. And you're about to know everything we know about our Prime Directive. So, Char, let's start with you. How did you break down your picks? Anything special or just kind of go with your gut? It was more going with my gut this time. Yep. Yeah, with lower decks, this feels like a little more random 
than trying to come up with a system that makes sense that has any logic to it. It's just, no, I like this one. Yeah, and that makes sense, especially with the with the matrix in play already breaking it down for you. Right, exactly. How about you, Todd? Anything you did to approach kind of how you were going to put together your first Trek ranks list? Yeah, so my one goal was I didn't want to repeat any episodes, yeah. um, which actually hampered me a little bit with one of my picks, which I'll, I'll get into a little bit. Um, and the other thing, I felt like there was a theme of change this season, so a lot of my picks have to do with that. Oh, I love mm. that. That is very cool. Yeah, I always try to spread it around too and not repeat myself. I failed this time. So <laughs> uh, the, the one thing the one thing I do do for my prime directives on these recap shows is I always look back at my previous season picks just to make sure I'm not completely repeating myself. And I, so I tried that again. I don't I, this time I'm pretty good. I didn't really copy myself anywhere so i'm 100 not picking tawny newsome again because i picked her twice <laughs> and i know Aww. i could pick her i could pick her every time same right with, same with boimler and jack quaid i've picked him twice so i had to so i'm definitely got away from that and another one i, I avoided because i found a lot of my picks have been all about the like the writing and the story and the kind of the humor so i got a little bit away from that as well so yeah it's i I definitely tread some new ground in uh in this season with my picks all right let's do it third ramoniclon introduce us to the order of things i am a gem hadar he is a vorta it is the order of things Thank you, Third Ramadiclon. As always, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their picks. Then we'll each reveal our Lower Deck Season 4 moments and the episode that we think best represents that pick. And then after getting through five rounds of picks, we'll get a few secondary system selections from everyone. And remember, if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. Okay, Char, we're starting with you. What's your number five pick for your top five Lower Deck Season Four moments, round five, production design element. Okay, here we go. My five words for this one are check out the Black Mountain, hashtag boop on the nose. I had to go with Badgie ascending into his own universe, question mark. (laughs) Oh my God, what the hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) What it was, was it a very creative and visually Stunning and very well executed sequence. And so that is why I went with it. I just really love the way that came together. It was, I don't know, I was in awe of it the first couple of times. And I actually, no, I still am. I still am every time I watch it. I just watched it yesterday just to make sure I wasn't overlooking anything. And there were other things in my secondary systems that were definitely high competition because the animation really is outstanding throughout this whole season but this for whatever reason just really it has to yeah. it has to take this one because of kind of that that otherworldly creativity that they threw yeah. into it yeah that's a great way to frame that so yeah the scenic art was my production design pick in season three so i just was like i gotta just cool. highlight the way these guys represent all this so this is, I love this pick because I, I actually love this episode. It's, it's in my top half uh, for the season. 
And it just kind of, it blew me away when, okay, so now Badgie's ascending (laughs) and the koala's there. And then you have this. Right, the koala. There's just so much going on with with this ascension and, God, the art. Oh, my God, the way they represent it. It's so good. And the Badgie separating into Guji and Logiki. I freaking love a few Badgies more. Uh, Todd, what is your take on this one? I was absolutely roaring with laughter when Guji shows up. And I was like, oh my God, yes, here we go. <laughs> and then logically, just to, to seal the deal, yes. I feel like this season, Lower Decks called back itself a lot more than it has in the past. And yeah. I really liked that mm-hmm. about this season. Yeah, they've, they've built it up now so that the references aren't just old 90s track. <laughs> it's their... <laughs> They're playing off the things that they've created. And the I mean, and you mentioned the Black Mountain in your five words and a hashtag. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Right off the bat. I love this. Badgie. Uh, Todd, what's your production design pick? Okay, my five words, more than a costume change. Hashtag four pips make a big difference. And it's our lower deckers getting promoted and moving up to Lieutenant JG this year. Oh, that's awesome. Ooh. Yes. So promotions. Yeah. Other than Harry Kim, who's the obvious obsession to this role, um, people really <laughs> get promoted in Starfleet all the time. It felt like this had to happen at some point. But the show could have just carried on as though it was no big deal and nothing really changed or just made it kind of a big joke. But instead, I felt like a lot of the season ended up being about the new duties and responsibilities of our new lieutenant junior grades. Um, and kind of how it affected them and affected their friendship. And for that reason, I picked Caves as my episode, because that was the moment when their friendship was kind of cemented, even though they'd been pulled apart a little bit in different directions by the promotion. Wow, what an inspired pick. I was assuming you're going to pick Tubix, but Caves is such a great it, it, pick. Which, I, thought about that. I thought about that, too. And, and I will say this, there's, and I'm not picking this episode. This was actually the one that I wanted to pick, because I'm going to pick this later. But there's a really poignant moment uh, when Boimler and Tendi are packing up to leave the bunks for the last time, and I have no bones, but I must flee. Yeah. And the camera mm-hmm. just kind of lingers on the bunks for a second, and the lights yeah. go out. Yeah. And it's a really sweet moment. And it's like, wow, what a big change for this show that, you know, TV can be kind of static at times. You know, they kind of go back to zero. They hit the reset button. And this was like a really big change, and they really leaned into it. I thought that was great. Yeah, that that moment. I'm so glad you mentioned that moment. That was very orchestrated and direct to say, hey, this is this is the the change. So now it's uh, now they're in a new place, and we're not coming back here. It was great, so good. Um, promotions is such a great pick, and it's the and it highlights what Mike McMahon is a showrunner does so well with this series. Just having everything that happens have consequence and movement forward, and you know you know you knew this was coming. And I, I love the interviews where he just said. I w- we're going to do it at the end of season four. I was just like, screw it. Let's just do it. Start of season four and just see what that means for these characters. And they're still lower decks. They are, none of that has changed. It's just a different angle of being lower decks. I love it. Char, what's your take on the promotions for our lower deckers? Yeah, absolutely love this part of it. The, the reason why you picked it. And yes, that transition we could feel the the, the wind yeah. of change going through that. And actually this season, there's been a number of really good transition elements that was being one of them. And then also I would nominate the very end 
at episode 10 of uh, Old Friends New Planets, just the way it lingers right into the end credits. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, good. So yeah. good. That that will come up again. And I just want to highlight, too, that <laughs> we're talking promotions. How they did the Rutherford promotion is just beyond brilliant. Just beyond, you know, because you end that yes. first episode and you're like, and you know something's up, right? But you don't know what's up. And you're like, oh, wait, not, not Rutherford? What's going on? What is happening? And that, right? the way it's that all right. plays out and I have no bones is just genius. And I mean, honestly, <laughs> Rutherford should be like a lieutenant commander on his own. Exactly. Like chief engineer exactly. somewhere by now. No, totally well, but now there's a reason why he's not because he keeps turning down promotions yeah, because, because he yeah. said no. like he and harry kim need to have a conversation about so, this probably so so <laughs> great man now i wish i hadn't turned down all those promotions sorry what you know for saving the cerritos from the pack lids and the ribido from the space jellyfish stuff like that wait why did you turn them all down <sighs> because i didn't want my own room where i wouldn't be near you Oh, Rutherford, but can't you just go accept one right now? Nah, they take it really seriously in engineering. You have to earn it with a scientific- Hey, Phillips! Can Rutherford have his promotion for that time you removed the hull? Oh, sure. Uh, sorry, Livick. Maybe next time. Wait, I can just ask for stuff I deserve? I guess. Rutherford! Rutherford! All right, let's go to my production design element in round five. Five words and a hashtag. You're going to like this one, Shark. Made her name farther out, hashtag, than any of those other relics. And it's just (laughs) Voyager. It's Voyager. It's the ship Voyager. My episode is Tuvix. (laughs) And and, this isn't about the episode Tuvix. This is about seeing Voyager again. The ship the exterior, the reveal with the with the poetic music or the poignant music, and, and then the interior with the bridge and the corridors and the gel packs. It's all just so beautiful and so perfectly recreated. Like it just it feels like live action trek in all those scenes when you're on the ship and looking at the ship from Macrovirus to Chaotica and Michael Sullivan and <laughs> and the clown. I love it. The The episode is a lot. There's a lot going on in this episode. <laughs> and uh, that's not a criticism, by the way. That's just, once you realize where they're going with this episode, it's, you're just sitting there like, this is a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, all the Voyager stuff in that episode is immaculate and perfect. Char, what's your take on that? I mean, of course, I loved this. And did I think about Voyager for top production design? Yeah, of course. I thought that would be a little too obvious for me to pick it, though. So I'm glad you did. (laughs) I tried to get away from it. I just could not. But it's yeah, it's so good. It really does feel like you're coming home again if you're a Voyager fan. And all of the callbacks that they make to things that happened on Voyager in that episode. I mean, it's it's just so very Voyager. (laughs) And of course, I love that. I love that so much. I'm like Mariner. He's like, I'm going to be amazing. <gasps> oh, my God. We get to do something on Voyager. Uh, do you? Because, I mean, Boimler's going to flip. <laughs> oh, man. It really is perfect. Todd, what's your take on seeing Voyager again? I mean, I just love the fact that they basically speed ran seven seasons of Voyager in 21 and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. They just exactly. got it all. They got it all in there, you know? Yeah, exactly. they did. I mean, just the. Can, can I can 
I drop can I drop some fun headcanon though? Yeah, sure. Ooh. So um I don't know if they intended to do this, maybe maybe not. I liked the idea that the reason Tuvix in the end was on the bridge pleading for his life, even though he supposedly had Tuvok and Neelix in him, was because that plant made him do it, and that's what drove the, the mutants to do the same thing on the, Ooh, on the okay. Cerritos. Oh. All right. So that, that's my new headcanon, is that actually it wasn't their fault. He was pleading because the, the plant was making him do it. It wasn't, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that actually that fits very well with uh, Tuvix. <laughs> not Tuvix. Um, yeah, that fits really well. But uh, but Todd, did you just call them mutants? That's offensive, I, I, man. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, I, you're right. I apologize. That they would be good. so offensive. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's go to round four. Shar, what is, who's your creative MVP for uh, the season? Okay. This was by far and away the hardest yes. of each of these rounds because it takes everybody Right. to make this show as brilliant as it is. And it seems, I don't know, it doesn't seem right to single any one person out. But if I have to, <laughs> uh, my five words are, and this ties right into what we were just talking about, it's Voyager, shit got freaky. Hashtag get the cheese to sickbay. I'm nominating Mike McMahon because he wrote Tuvix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He deserves yeah. all the praise. He does. If credit has to go to any one person on this show, it's got to be him because he's the showrunner. Everything has to be signed off by him. He makes sure every aspect of production from the scripts to the smallest details in the animation are in line with his vision of the show, that they're accurate, everything. He's responsible for it all. So I, I got to go with Mike McMahon. This show could only be made by him. And he's doing such a beautiful and brilliant job with it i can't imagine star trek now without his take on it oh my god you you said something that it's kind of obvious but you're right he's the only guy that could make this show his right, knowledge like, his skill sets his sense of humor right he just he toes the line so perfectly between going too far but uh, it's just <laughs> incredible if you had him say uh, on staff for picard or prodigy it would not work those are not the shows he was meant to be on. Everybody right. is in the right place. Yeah, it's it's a different thing. So you're picking Tuvix as the episode. I love it. Uh, yeah, as yeah, since he wrote <laughs> Tuvix, I'm highlighting this episode. Oh it, it's an God. example. It's how Lower Decks branches into every corner of the Star Trek universe and has fun adventures with the things we already know and love, but right. it gives it that Lower Decks spin. Well, I I've, I tweeted this and I'll say it here. Uh, one of my favorite elements in this whole story with the craziness of the, the new Tuvixes was the graphic that they used to kind of explain what happened, you know, the quick little shot. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, Tuvok, very stoic. And then there's like a jaunty <laughs> little Neelix. He's standing there, but he's got a little kick in his in his. Oh, he's stance. doing a jig. He yeah, he's definitely doing a jig. I mean, jaunty is the only word I can think of. And it's just, that is the perfect little detail to help <laughs> kind of just tell you <laughs> right? everything you need to know about these two characters there without it is. having exposition uh todd what's your take on mike mcmahon the showrunner uh, he's a genius i mean i i completely agree and i think the show is like a lot of showrunners it is so much of him in the show yeah. yeah and it's amazing and he's fantastic and i think you could always pick him for this one which yes. is to say that I did I did not, but I he was 
you know, how can you not have him as like a secondary system? Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, I didn't pick him the first season, but I picked the whole writer's room. It's kind of a cheat. So, okay. Round four. Let's continue. Todd, what, who's your creative MVP? Okay. And I apologize for making you get time to bleep button for this one, but uh, my round four pick by five words are, I too must be Vulcan hashtag as a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And my pick here is Gabrielle Ruiz uh, playing to Lynn, who was just a wonderful addition this season. And yes. you think about, you think about how challenging it must be to play a Vulcan on screen where you can't outwardly show emotion, but you can at least offer hints or facial expressions that, show that inside maybe you have some emotional turmoil going on. Reese has to do it all with just her voice, but I think she just nails the part, both in her cool, logical delivery, but also the occasional slip into some emotional understanding uh, that, she, that she runs into during the season. And my episode is, uh, see if I can pronounce this correctly, anthropological fallacies, where she yes. seems to be the only one keeping her head until it turns out that she is, in fact, not keeping her head. I love this pick. I love Talyn. I figured she was going to get some love today. And Gabrielle Ruiz is so good in this part. It's so difficult to play. And just, I mean, <laughs> these uh, she's she's perfect. She's perfect. The one-liners and pathological fallacies is just an excellent episode. One of my favorites. And uh, Vulcan is a motherfucker is pretty much going to be uh, a catchphrase moving forward. And in all of Trek now. Um, Shar, what's your take on Gabrielle Ruiz? Love it. Love it. Love her as well. And this is a solid pick. <laughs> she really has done an incredible job this season becoming kind of like a counterbalance to our lower decker characters, which I, I didn't even think there was a missing piece in the dynamic, but then she showed up and now it, I mean, it, it's five, not four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it would it be really hard is. to imagine her not there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she has absolutely mastered what I like to call Vulcan resting face through voice. <laughs> and that takes a lot of talent. Through voice. Yeah. I've been a big fan of Gabrielle Ruiz since uh, watching her in uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So she had a mm -hmm. great part in that awesome series so when i heard she was coming on board uh very excited she's a awesome awesome actor so awesome pick i love this and pathological fallacies is on the board all right let's go to my round four pick my creative mvp i could have picked this person anytime in the past four seasons i'm finally doing it this time and i was swayed uh recently basically when that last episode aired five words in a hashtag Twalk stinger through the heart hashtag four years of mastery and it is Chris Westlake and his incredible music yes. and scores for Ooh. this entire series. This is a little bit of a of a career achievement award for him for these last four seasons. But what put me over the top was in my episode I'm picking here is Old Friends, New Planets, the finale for season four, and we just talked about it a little bit. Char uh, his like Tendi theme at the end of uh, at the end of this finale when he's when they're focusing on her and she's got this this resolution inside her like she's gonna go home and she's gonna make it work right she, she's not oh, going yeah. home sad she's going home with a purpose like there's something up she's gonna be trying to make change and do something that that impacts 
the Orions and Starfleet, and I can't wait to see what that is. But the music is so good with the, and it and it and it plays out. You know, they made this choice to just keep that theme going and playing it out over the the credits and the Starfield, and not going to the regular closing music for this for the series. I just love this moment. And through the whole episode, there's all these incredible Wrath of Khan musical oh, yeah. notes and tributes, uh, obviously in the visuals and the and the uh, cat and mouse with with Mariner and the in the Ion Storm. But there, there's at, as she enters the Ion Storm, there's that little quick uh, Wrath of Khan stinger right yes. as she's going in, and it that just floored me, just blew it was me away. Perfect. God, Absolutely so perfect. <laughs> yes. God, it just yes. really, really right into my soul. I, I love it. And when you talk about music and track, we've got Jacino and Nami Malamud and Jeff Russo and what Stephen Barton did with Picard season three. Chris Westlake is right there with these guys. His music has been phenomenal. Oh, and I got to highlight it for his career achievement, his crisis point music in those two episodes is beyond yeah. the way it feels like a Star Trek movie score. I love it. Chris Westlake, Char, what's your take? Honestly, I think he needs to be scoring movies if he's not already, because right. Right. he is so good at that really heart pumping kind of movie theme. I absolutely love this pick and the soundtrack for old friends, new planets was noticeably good. Like sometimes when you notice the music, it takes you out and that's a bad thing, but no here it's like, okay, you are hitting all the good marks here. (laughs) The emotion swells when it needs to, it has the wrath of Khan callbacks. Like you already mentioned it just, man, as the kids say, it's a banger. Yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes the music can take you out of it if it's even if it's too good, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really good point. But man, the god that finale! I I I need this soundtrack fast. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad a lot of people are saying that too online because yeah. we don't have much for lower deck soundtracks, and why not? Right, we just got the first two seasons, or was it? Yeah, yeah. first two seasons. We haven't got the third. So we yeah, now we need that. the fourth, and we still need the uh, second season of Strange New Worlds. So let's go. Let's get the rally the troops on that. Uh, Todd, what's your take on Chris Westlake and the music of Strange of uh, Lower Decks? Here's, here's how I'm going to put it. Um, I picked Gabrielle Ruiz for my round four pick. She was always going to be my pick going in all the way. The music was so good in the season finale that he almost bumped her. That's right. how much I was into yeah. the music in that episode. And he was my toughest cut of my secondary system because I thought that was just a tour de force from him. And I yeah. thought it was fantastic. And his music is always great. This was just like beyond. Yeah, exactly that. That's pretty much what happened to me with my my final picks here at the end. It's like, I can't not pick this. It's too good. Okay. We are heading to the Davo round. Okay. Davo. 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 Char, what's your wild card round pick? Round three. Okay. This was a fun one. It could have been so many things. It is a fun one because you can do anything. You can talk about anything. Anything. Yes. My five words are, they just lie to you 
Hashtag Ferengi TV and chill. I had to go for the funniest B plot where Boimler gets sucked into Ferengi TV in Parth Ferengi's heart place. So good. So they just lie to you is such a good five words. Yeah, his commentary and the way that relates to RTV and the you know the gratuitous product placements. He's just so fascinated by it and then gets sucked into the lowest common denominator storytelling. Just yep. (laughs) <laughs> this could be 21st century earth tv for you right here i mean uh, this sorry this pick was made for the adaba round of uh, <laughs> trek ranks matrix i love it. it it seemed fitting and i loved this b plot in particular because boimler doesn't get tons to do this season so when we did get to see him do something he really shined and this by far was my favorite boimler plot and just because of the social commentary and the fact that he does binge on TV, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got the chips and everything. His eyes are bloodshot from hours of basically just being glued to the screen. Like we've all been there. It's so relatable. And I too am proud of him, just like Ransom was for getting sucked in and doing that. We've all been down the rabbit hole, baby. And cop landlords. I mean, who's not watching that show? Uh, only on Ferenginar. it's so good todd what's your take on boimler getting sucked into television and commercials on Ferenginar? i often think boimler is the most relatable character uh, at least to me and i've definitely been in the position he was in where it's like i'm gonna do a bunch of stuff and then eight hours later i'm watching the landlord cops right Right. Or I'll just watch one more YouTube video. Right. Right. <laughs> just own it, people. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. I lo- love a little TV binge. Brilliant choice. We've got Parth <laughs> Ferengi's. No. Uh, yeah. Heart Place. Yeah. yeah I, this title. I, I, I will never say it without stumbling over. Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. Makes perfect sense. It's not oh, an easy one, though. Yeah. It, I uh, I love it. Okay. Davo round. Todd, what's your pick? So this is my first Trek Ranks appearance. And I really want to come in with the best possible picks and not just go for the most obvious thing possible. <laughs> I tried really, really hard not to make this pick for the battle round, but it is absolutely impossible not to do it. So my five words, actually six, are, oh, fuck, the Moopsie is free. Hashtag, it drinks your bones. Oh, it's so good. And of course, it is I have no bones, but I must flee as the episode, and Moopsie is the object of my heart. Moopsie. Um, my son and I have been walking around saying Moopsie for weeks. It is the face that has <laughs> oh my gosh. a thousand memes. And look, Jim, Char, I am a simple man. If you give me an adorable creature that's actually a horrifying monster, I'm going to love it 100% of the time. <laughs> same. <laughs> yes, same here. And yeah, who isn't just walking around and just saying Moopsie all the time? I am. Just it- nonstop. Nonstop it- over here. I- I'm so glad you picked it because Moopsie is not in my picks anywhere and i was kind of regretting it because it is a little i mean it moopsie is it it seems like such an easy concept but to pull it off the way they did is so just perfection and i in my head when i think of moopsie there's this one shot after kind of the first terror and ordeal and they're running away and it's just like a wide shot of like the museum floor and Moopsie's just kind of very slowly kind of coming into frame on the left side <laughs> and says, Moopsie. <laughs> I love that shot so much. It is just absolute 
comedy perfection. It, it's it blows my mind how popular Moopsie is. Fucking brilliant, so good. Uh, Shar, any other day? <laughs> well, Moopsie was on my secondary system, so yes, we can scratch too. that one off. Me but- too. Moopsie. Uh, yeah, I really wanted to get Moopsie in here. I almost like it couldn't be a top character because it's just one of those fun one-off things. But it did get just so explosive in its popularity, sort of like how Shaw, the dipshit from Chicago, became such a thing. Yes. Now we're right. just now we're just on to Moopsie. That's all. I love it. So- yeah, that's a pretty good analogy. I mean, Moopsie is the Shaw of Lower Decks season <laughs> four. It's, it's pretty good. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if he's a dipshit though. Uh, no, Moopsie's not a dipshit. Moopsie's cute. No dipshit. Uh, Todd, you uh you're a hero for picking Moopsie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Moopsie. Okay, so for we've just been talking about how wide open the wild card round is. So this is the first time I've ever done this. I'm actually I, I I'm just picking an episode because it's it's an episode I love and I want to talk about. I thought there were so many big swings in this season and obviously the two-part season finale, but this episode for me was just pure classic. TNG Star Trek, and I love it. Five words and a hashtag. Real Housewives of Beta Z rule. <laughs> hashtag. Consistent tone raises the bar, and I love empathological fallacies. I love this episode. So first time I'm just picking an episode straight up in any of our season recap shows in the Dabo round. <laughs> but I really wanted to just talk about this because I thought otherwise I, it might get passed over. And I'll tell you, my favorite thing about Lower Decks across all four seasons is when the tone of the episode is super consistent and doesn't go so far off the rails that you have to kind of squint your eyes to convince yourself that it's, you know, in the Trek universe and live action, you know, there's like, I mean, look, I mean, that's those old scientists did that perfectly. Right. It just feels like these two things mesh together perfectly. So like one area, like the Mark Twain stuff was a little bit, they were, that was that was kind of hard to be like to sit back and go, oh yeah, that could happen in TNG. Well, no, it probably couldn't. It's hilarious and I love it. But that's one of those elements where they push so far. And that's what Lower Decks does, and it's great. And and I love it. But the thing I really love about the show is when they do these episodes that just have this perfect tone, and you can literally just transplant it over to TNG or Voyager or Deep Space Nine. So with empathological fallacy, the reason I love this episode so much is that even though it's kind of a bottle show and takes place all on the Cerritos, it's it's just, you know, because they're just basically faring about some wacky ambassadors, but it just feels like it's straight out of TNG or Voyager, and I love it. And the so the A story is obviously the Beta Z ambassador agents for the BIA, the Beta Z and <laughs> intelligence and <laughs> in, investigating the ship out there that's destroying other ships and then i love the boimler kind of getting his zen security treatment and uh and the yes. enterprise and the malcolm reed shout out and then and the whole thing's just based on xanthi fever and bendai syndrome it's just so much fun i just love this the guest cast is amazing with uh wendy malik and uh rachel dratch uh, and the other one was Janelle James. I don't know her so much, but Rachel Dratch and Wendy Malik are great comedy actors. Uh, I just love this episode. I just think it's perfect. I just think it's really, really good, pure Star Trek. Shar, uh, what's your take? I'm so glad you mentioned the voice actors because, yeah, yeah that trio, they are 
voice acting comedy gold yes, exactly. right there. That was right. a really great catch for them. And I, those ladies, oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> Luxana Troy would be jealous of that energy. That's how high up they were. Yeah, right. They fit right in that, in that mode. And I love their names. Are, right. I, their names are Dolorex, Catrot, and Kathy with the W. Kathy, <laughs> how there's a W in Kathy, I don't know, but Todd, what's your take on this? You picked uh, Talin and and pathological fallacies. So. I did, and this was one of my very favorite episodes of the season. And I just love even even the really small stuff, like Doctor Ta'amid. You know, they used to hunt babies and just right. talking about yes. eating them for dinner. And I was just dying. I thought that was just so funny, just such a small thing, but it was just perfect. I yeah. think that was my favorite part of the episode, to be honest, the way she would lick her lips in anticipation. Yes. Oh, God. Dr. T is so good in that one. I love it. My favorite part is the selfie at the end with uh, Shax and Boimler and uh, <laughs> and Rutherford and the Malcolm Reed puzzle. So hilarious. Okay. Round two, our top character of the season yes here we go Shar. what is your pick my five words are she gets the best one-liners one-liner is one word <laughs> with a hyphen hashtag vulcan is a motherfucker it is of course <laughs> to lynn she Fantastic. has stolen the show yes. this season yes. she she's a great foil to some of the more reckless tendencies of our lower deckers like that used to be boimler with mariner although he has his crazy moments too and she is the grounding force now for sure but you also know that when she's around you're gonna get a series of hilarious one-liners she's gotten some of the very best lines in every episode she's in this season what's up ladies how science we just cataloged some pretty cool hydrogen samples Hydrogen is the most common element in the universe. Sweet. See you guys at lunch. Boimler, make sure you shower first. Holodeck duty. Your odor will be repulsive. Oh, thank you so much, Dylan. You are welcome. I picked the episode In the Cradle of Vexalon because oh, it's cool. best demonstrated there. Uh, and she gives Boimler a much needed reality check kind of when he's going crazy commanding right. his first mission. So... I thought that was great, but she was also really good in something borrowed, something green. I almost went for that one, but you got to pick one. So yeah, there we go. No, I love it. I, picking Vexalon makes perfect sense because she's like the grounded voice of of reason. She's the only Just, voice uh, of reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the only one. Yeah. yeah, I was so excited when she came at the end of last season. And the way they've integrated with this season has just been fantastic. Like she's been everything I could have hoped for and and more. And yeah, I love the pick. I love it. I love it. Actually, why don't we <laughs> this happened once before on Trek Ranks with everyone having the same five words and hashtag, which was baby needs a new pair of shoes when everyone was picking the Royale. I can't remember the, the topic, <laughs> but why don't we just, let's just go to my character right now because five words and a hashtag Vulcan as a motherfucker. Hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also chose to Lynn because I just could not, I just could not. She's just incredible. So we basically all three have picked her and I took something borrowed, something green, which is what you just talked about. Hey, uh, her, I just love her in this when she's got the, she, her, she's she's like observing, right? And she's making comments about everything that the Orions are doing, and she's gonna take this record and uh, report back to 
Starfleet. And I just love the end when she decides, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't need to do that. She's going to, uh, Orion culture will have to remain undocumented. A report without <laughs> the subject's consent would be unethical. And she just throws away the pad. I love it. Oh, yeah. And I have in my notes from Vexalon, because that was another one when she's when she says to uh because you said best one liner, she says to Boimler, Ensign serving under promoted commanders are more likely to experience death and/or dismemberment. And Boimler goes, Death? And she's like, yes, and or dismemberment. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. It's it's that, yeah. It's exactly that. It's the perfect one-liner. Your caution is warranted. Statistically, ensigns serving under recently promoted commanders are more likely to experience death and or dismemberment. Death? Yes, and or dismemberment. Talin, round up. Any other final thoughts before we move on to Todd's pick here? I think we covered her pretty well. Yeah. Yes, we really did. And deservedly so. She deserves to be highlighted this much in the episode okay todd who is your uh, top character then my five words are characters careening carousel homes considerably hashtag closure counterbalances convenient crazy and my tech here is beckett mariner yes and I all right she, i think she always gets picked at least once in this round on trek ranks but i can't resist doing it again good and I, I have to admit that at first I was actually a little disappointed that they were going back to the uh-oh, Mariner's crazy again storyline. Right. Because it's ground we've already tread upon. But by mm-hmm. the time we got to the real backstory, it was a doozy. And you could just see how much she's grown as a character. Um, so my episode pick here is actually Old Friends, New Planets, because we get to see her at her absolute finest. She's sassing Locarno. She's kicking butt. She's stealing ships. She's getting chatty with a mini Genesis device. It is pure <laughs> uncut Mariner, and I am your heck yeah. yeah, good old good old GD. Um, <laughs> I love I love it. I love I, anytime we can highlight Mariner and Tanya Newsome and her performance. It is she is spectacular. It's just incredible. I'm gonna highlight. I, I had this in my secondary system, but I'll talk about it now. My my favorite laugh out line, laugh out loud moment of the entire. <laughs> season was when she walks onto the when she walks onto the bridge of Lacarno's ship for the first time and she goes what up binars <laughs> I, laughed, I laughed so loud what up binars what up binars oh my god and it's just the delivery from tani Newsom. it's just perfection absolute perfection uh what's your take on mariner and tani Newsom? uh sure yeah love her like crazy tawny newsome she is like my goals in life she's she's just so cool (laughs) she's an amazing actress she is writing now on starfleet academy like she's doing everything my 15 year old self thought i was going to do but she's actually doing it and she was she's much more qualified so i'm glad it's her she's fantastic (laughs) uh i thought you were going to go for as far as favorite quotes or funniest quote was the whole what in the minimalist hell oh yeah because that was, that, yeah, i love that, that yes yeah, that got me. oh my gosh <laughs> so good but i also like what up binars oh god or, and, and what is it when she's addressing everybody's like uh hey everybody or i'm gonna call just, a what's up everyone? something like that yeah it, yeah, yeah tawny newsom has shown some really good range as mariner and todd just like you i was a little I don't know. I guess like, haven't we been down this road before? Shouldn't she be, shouldn't she have resolved these issues 
in by season four, like I thought we were moving past that and no, we're going to kick the can down the road a little more. The whole Cedo Jaxa thing, yeah, definitely does add a lot of weight to it. I do wonder why she has held it in for so long without resolving it. But then I have to remember, one, therapy in the 24th century, well, it was written iffy. So there's that. <laughs> and it's true. And, you know, it's one thing to tell somebody to go to therapy, but to actually go through that process and learn and grow from it has to be that person's choice. And sometimes people go through life not knowing how things have affected them, how it affects their behavior. And I wonder if maybe that is Mariner. Now yeah. she's aware. And now I hope she takes a, a dose of her own medicine. The things that she said to Locarno apply to her as well. And maybe she can actually move on going forward. I will say that's that's how I that's how I took it a lot of that episode, in the sense that she had become fully kind of unlocked at that point in herself. And you know, we've kind of been thrown the red herring that, oh, she was rebelling against her mom, and that's why she's doing it. And it's like, no, it wasn't bad. Right. These other things. And this seems like this is like the real reason. And now that she can address it, she can move forward. Yes. I'm really looking forward to see how much butt she can kick in season five. Hell yeah. I I mean, I feel like we are there. They're they're not going to go back to this now. I think this is going to be moving forward. But even with the mom stuff, like there was progress there, right? Like all this season, she was working well with her mom. So, so that was kind of a developmental element from seasons one and two and it wasn't really part of season three it was more of just kind of the rash uh kind of putting herself in danger right the self-sabotage yeah exactly so yeah and and i'm remembering that you were talking about the moment where she jumps up on screen and goes this guy sucks Yes. Don't listen to him. Yes. <laughs> right. I love that. Right. Like imagine like season one Mariner, I think was that way for a lot of people. Like, yeah. oh my God, all she wants to do is just rebel and break the rules. That right. sort of thing. It's going to be really interesting. And I hope we see this where now that she, I hope, <laughs> is going to finally move on, she's going to have to do the really hard work of defining herself without that self-sabotaging as a coping mechanism you're gonna have to live with progress mariner what's that gonna be like and i have complete faith that they're gonna do that well because i keep seeing that criticism about ah it's just kind of retread 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 but i don't feel like this season was a retread this season she wasn't fighting with her mom and she was it was all just that kind of aggressive self-sabotage like you were saying which which was it's subtly different i mean definitely in the same realm but mm-hmm. for me it, it felt different so and we haven't talked about it really in depth but and i'm you know i'm the biggest cedo jackson fan i love i love her um incredible that reveal i was just bawling in absolute tears so um and that hope, yeah. actually that, that might come up in our next round so let's go there and see <laughs> if anybody's got that Let's go to round one. Begin round one. In our top episodes. So, Char, what's your number one pick? All right. My five words are, he looks like Tom Paris. Hashtag Cerritos <laughs> Strong. I ultimately had to go with old friends, new planets, with caves being such a close second. I debated this almost up to recording time. But you know what? Lower Decks knows how to close a season. 
it, it's always had good season finales, and this is right up there as one of the absolute best. I love all of the things that they tied in that we've seen in the previous episodes this season coming together, like the Mark Twaining and going back to Orion with Tendi's family. So much stuff coming together. It was just really beautiful how it all wrapped up. Yeah. It really was. This episode is a masterpiece. And it's an, it really is incredible how Mike McMahon has hit a home run with like episodes nine and 10 of all four seasons. They're just, they're all just peak level uh, Trek. And yeah, this one has it all. It really, it's just incredible. And the, and the reveal of Nick Lacarno is a big bad. That just blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. Did not see it coming. Todd, what's your take on old friends, new planets? I don't know. I didn't see the resemblance, honestly. I, yeah. don't, I don't see it. That's so good. Yeah, I mean, I think both parts of these were fantastic. And yeah, I mean, they have not yet missed in the season finale. Yeah. Four for four, just absolutely knocking out of the park every time. Yeah. Uh, in, incredible home run. Okay, let's see what you got, Todd. What's your number one pick, your top episode of the year? Okay, uh, my five words are finally we understand her struggle. Hashtag Lower Decks calls back Lower Decks. Um, and my pick is the inner fight, Perfect. which of course sets, right. up, sets up Old Friends, New Planets. Yep. I just loved Mariner kind of getting to the heart of it. Because like I said, I was a little frustrated at first. And then within 10 minutes, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's incredibly cool that this show, which is basically built off the TNG episode Lower Decks, went to call back that Lower Decks for this Lower Decks. And that's why Mariner is the way she is. And then, you know, we get to actually see her as basically sort of a young Boimler at the Academy, mm-hmm. um, you know, running up to running up to her older, wiser friends and, you know, the guilt that she's taken from that over the years. And I just thought it was a great in-depth way to kind of move her character forward and like like we said the last pick you know i do hope that she lives with that progress now and we can see sort of where, where that goes but yeah i just thought the episode was great and you know maybe it was she needed a klingon therapist all this time who knew <laughs> yeah i i mean i love ma and just the fact that ma didn't die in the in two weeks when, when when i thought ma was dead at the end of two weeks i was like what <laughs> i love that guy that's so sad so realizing he was coming back is awesome. And then is the catalyst for Mariner to figure it out. And this reveal, so I caught myself a second ago because I thought maybe someone would have the inner flight as their number one episode. So when they reveal that, you know, Sita Jaxa is the hero uh, and mentor of Mariner for all these years, and we finally get this reference back to one of my favorite characters and one of my favorite moments in the history of Star Trek from Lower Decks. I was blown away. Just, I mean, uh, audibly like sobbing when she mentioned Cito as her hero and what she went through and how she inspired her. I lost it. Oh my God. I love it. So yeah, I'm so glad you picked the inner fight. It was, it's an amazing, amazing episode. Uh, Char, what's your take? Yeah, you can't have old friends, new planets without the setup from the inner fight. So that's, yeah, great. I'm so glad somebody picked it. Right. <laughs> it's hard to do that with a two-parter when you can only pick one, but right. they kind yeah, of, right. they have to have both. Yeah, it's yin and yang. But yeah, Cito Jaxa is such a beloved character in the Trek lore. I'm really happy with how she was used here and 
what, why she's Mariner's motivation for all of these things. And uh, I really think Ma'a, I, we need to see him become a therapist because he <laughs> broke through to Mariner when no one else did. Oh my God. I would love to see more. I think we'll see more of him. He kind of disappeared in the, in the old friends, new planets. I was a little bummed. We didn't get to see him, but, but I also, I get it, but yeah, you're right. The, what they did with Cito was perfection. It was, it, it, it actually answered for me, you know, cause I've always lived with my head can of like, Oh, well, Cito definitely lived and she's in a Cardassian prison somewhere. And we just haven't heard that story yet. But now we know that's definitely not the case because they would, I don't think they would torpedo themselves and go there where she's alive when Mariner's talking about her in the way that she's talking, the way they're representing her. I'm glad they didn't do it. I, I me too. And I'm, I just, I, for me, it's closure. So it's like, I'm just happy that we kind of know now uh, that extra layer of what she meant to one of the great characters in Star Trek history back in Mariner. Okay, so I guess at this point, everyone's just wondering, which one am I picking? Yeah, what are you <laughs> doing, it, Jim? Is it the inner fight or old friends, new planets, five words and a hashtag, Lower Decks, first duty sequel, hashtag, Nova Fleet Unite. And my number one episode is old friends, new planets. I <laughs> And I, I was torn because they're really, really neck and neck, but it's that cold open. It's getting that flashback to the first duty and seeing Locarno and seeing Wesley. And we actually meet Josh Albert. Are you kidding yeah. me? We didn't meet him before. Yeah. And now he has a face and now he's got a real sad, sad story. Cause you know, I don't, I watched that scene and I'm like, Oh man, this guy is going to pay, pay with his life for this. That's really sad. Yeah. And of course seeing Cito Jackson again was just incredible, incredible for me. So I absolutely love that. I love the the Tendi stuff in this episode where, you know, all the something borrowed, something green stuff really pays off well in this episode. They even do the the, the dumb Mark Twain thing and it works. So it's <laughs> of, kind course of, it well, of course it does. Yes, of course. I declare. So, and then the Wrath of Khan homages, and I've mentioned the incredible Chris Lake, Chris Westlake score. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Okay, here we go. Secondary system. Let's get a little deeper. Shar, what do you got? Anything that just missed your list? Three very big ones. Okay. Uh, one was Moopsie. Already mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moopsie. Oopsie. Second one is the episode Caves. That almost got my top yes. episode pick because yes. I really, really love that episode. It really does show full circle how far the Lower Deckers really have come. It's a great time to see them reconnect because they have been apart a little bit, taking different assignments and whatnot. But at the core, their, their friendship is still there. And like it just reminds me, as you get older, how things like having families and things happening in life and your jobs and what have you takes you away from a lot of the people you knew when you were younger. But sometimes when you do reconnect with them, it's like no time has passed whatsoever. You're still there. Yeah. And it's perfectly packaged in that Star Trek storytelling kind of. Right. All the caves that look all alike. Yep. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Plus caves is the calm before the storm of the epic two-part season finale. Yeah. And for all those reasons, caves got nominated by the way, to, to that, there's a, a moment at the end of that episode where literally the Vendorian's watching them, and they're like, "Should we clear their communication?" He's like, "No, let them let them 
Let him have it. Yeah, it was really, really good. It was great. So then for a top character, I had one other mention that I wanted to put out there, and that is Devon Attendee, yes. because both she and Noel Wells have stood out a lot this season. I love where Attendee's story is going. I love that we got to get to see the Orion homeworld and learn more about Orion culture. That was fantastic because that hasn't really happened, but we got to get the Lower Decks take on it too, which, hey, that's double good. <laughs> and it sounds like we'll be going back for more. So that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. But I also just like to see her growing as a person and whatever family drama she wants to clear up going into season five. I'm here for it. Yep. Love that pick. I uh, I picked her, I think, in season one, maybe season two. Uh, Todd, who? what are your secondary systems picks? So I have a couple. Uh, we, we hit on a few, but obviously Chris Westlake, that the music yep. of the finale was incredible. Um, I loved the Voyager speed run of two Vicks. Yeah. Um, I was also going to mention Tendi because I thought she had a great arc this season, and I think she's always a delight. Um, one person I was going to potentially reference was Shannon Phil, and I was very excited that she was back hmm. to be Cedo Jackson in the finale. But I thought, you know, she didn't really have a lot to do in Trek, but she's a very memorable character, and it, it really paid off this season in, in Lower Decks. I, I, I often wonder about that. Like, does she know how impactful her character is and how much dorks like me and Star Trek fans <laughs> everywhere just love that character? That's, and she, a great question. I mean, it's she must have some that. idea if 30 years later she's getting a phone call from Mike McMahon, like, hey, will you come play this part because you're really important in Star Trek. I mean, how cool is that? This is so cool. I'd love to know how that phone call went. Yeah, me like, too. Was she excited it's... to do it? Like, oh, wow, really? You want me back for this thing I did a long time ago? Or was it, I quit acting in 1995. What are you talking about? I, I know. <laughs> he had crazy. to sell it to how, her. How did you get my number? Some journalists <laughs> out there, go track down the Shannon Phil stories. We can hear kind of. We need an interview. What is her take on this phenomena? I love it. Okay, sorry. Keep and going, then, Todd. Yeah, I had, I had two more, and one is um, there were a lot of there have always been some outside references in Lower Decks, but I felt like there were more obvious ones this year. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, like the uh, when Boimler is quote unquote dead, <laughs> um, he goes to the room from uh, Twin Peaks. Yes, the Twin Peaks. Yes! That was so good. There's yeah. The that oh my god! I thought that was awesome. great. Yeah. And then of course, of course, uh, Garth for you know Garth Ferengi. Uh, which I just was, I was so funny that it's like Garth Ferengi's, you know, dark place, dark yeah. place, you know. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. And then my final thing that I'm going to say is just one thing. Livic. <laughs> Livic. Livic. So good. Yeah. I love it. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that Livic soundbite. Livic. Leave some minor improvements for the rest of us, guy. Okay. Uh, my toughest cut was. Jack Ransom and Jerry O'Connell. So early in the season, yes. this is another reason why I don't, I didn't feel like the Mariner story was repeating itself because they established that really early on that Jack was just like, yep, don't care. I'm going to support you. I don't care what you do to me. You're promoted. I'm going to support you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to make it work. And doesn't matter what you say. And I just love that. And they did a couple of episodes of that. Really, first two or three, it was really a big part of kind of establishing where they were going with with Mariner in terms of his support. And I, I love that. He, he his character he didn't have as much to do in the second half of the season. So I couldn't I couldn't pick him, but I really wanted to highlight 
the importance of that element of Jack Ransom this season. I think that was that was a big deal. And then my other picks here, I loved the mystery thread of the ships. Just kept us guessing the whole <laughs> way. First the Klingons and Tuviks, then the Romulans, and I have no bones yet, I must flee. Then the Orions and something borrows something green. They actually show the ship, the blurry ship, and then pathological fallacies. And then in Parth Ferengi's heart place, you get the Ferengi ship and the Binars and a few badgies more. That's six episodes. They really carried this thing across. And I thought the whole time it was going to be either uh, Agamus or Peanut Hamper or uh, <laughs> or Badgie that was the, the big bad. And I just was just blown away. I thought it was, yeah, I kept thinking it was going to be Badgie. I kept waiting for yeah, that. I, I just, like, oh, and I then, guess it's not Badgie. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe it's Agamus and they're going to make him the big bad and have him explode. And then I thought, well, it must be Section 31 Boimler. Nope. Didn't even get a mention. So he'll he'll probably be back in, <laughs> in Season 5. But so my other one was Agamus. I just love Jeffrey Combs' voice work here. I mean, everyone knows yes. how good Jeffrey Combs is. But for him to make that character just fly, it, I just absolutely love that. I also want to give a shout out to, we saw a captain's yacht in action. <laughs> how great yes. was that? Yes. Finally. Yes. It took 57 years. <laughs> so so cool. Nine hundred and three episodes later, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just kind of blew it because I just mentioned it. But my special shout out is none of us fucking mentioned Peanut Hamper. I love you guys. <laughs> I love you. Okay, let's do it. We're going to our regeneration cycle. We're going to recap our picks and go through some stats. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, Shaw, recap your top five. You got it. So for around five, it was Badgie ascending into his own <laughs> universe. A good thing. <laughs> Round four, top creative went to Mike McMahon. Round three, the Dabba wildcard round. I picked funniest B-plot with Boimler getting sucked into Frankie TV. Round two, top character was to Lynn. And round one, top episode went to Old Friends New Planets. Perfect. I forgot to fire the phaser. We had a couple of duplicates, but uh, oh well. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll fire. We'll fire them in a minute. Uh, Todd, recap your five. Sure. My round five pick was uh, the promotions for all our lower deckers. My round four pick was uh, Gabrielle Ruiz as to Lynn. My round three pick was, of course, Moopsie. Moopsie. <laughs> my round two pick was Beckett Mariner, and my episode pick in round one was the Inner Fight. Perfection. And my recap, uh, my production design element was just seeing Voyager again in Tuvix. My creative MVP, finally, I picked Chris Westlake for his incredible scores, old friends, new planets. My number three was just in pathological fallacies. I love that episode. I want to give it a shout out. My number two was Talin, but I chose something borrowed, something green. And my number one episode, old friends, new planets. So for our statistical breakdown, we did have a couple of duplicates. So I'll fire those phasers now. The main one was our number ones, Char and myself, both old friends, new planets. We both picked Talin, but different episodes. Uh, Talin got mentioned three times in our picks. Moopsie once and Mariner once. So that's pretty good. But my favorite thing in this uh, stat breakdown 
is that all 10 episodes got picked. That's mm-hmm. pretty rare. Cool. Oh, yeah, that's cool. For that to happen in our recap show. So we had one each for I Have No Bones, Yet I Must Flee. The uh, In the Cradle of Vexalon got one. Something Borrowed, Something Green. Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. A Few Badgies More. Caves and the Inner Fight all got one. So that's eight. No, that's uh, seven with one. Two picks got two picks, and Pathological Fallacies got two picks, and Leading the Way, Old Friends, New Planets with four picks. So I absolutely love that all 10 episodes got picked. That's amazing. Okay, here we go. We're going to initiate a temporal inversion because it's time to hear from you. Initiate temporal inversion. Initiating. And for this week's Temporal Inversion, we are going back to episode 165 in the top five portals portaling, which is kind of perfect. That was the show we used as our preview episode for this season of Lower Decks. The top five portals portaling, we got in two great lists. One from Craig Main, who is at Craig M1701, friend of the show. I love his list. He had... uh, the Trouble with Tribbles slash Trials and Tribulations. And he chose the Grain Hatch as his portal. That's a ton oh, of Tribbles. Nice. Hashtag oh, yeah. close that door. <laughs> Good five <laughs> words and a hashtag. For Bride of Chaotica, he had the Invaders from the Fifth Dimension, a dash of purple, great portal, the Killing Game. Oh, this is so good. I forgot. He had the Voyager as a giant holodeck, that epic cliffhanger at the end of the killing game with that final shot of yeah. all the different decks. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, TV as a portal, the home of Star Trek. Hashtag a window to adventure. All of Trek. I love that. Nice. And he went with the OG Guardian of Forever, my entry to Star Trek. Hashtag take me with you. His first ever he ever watched City on the Edge of Forever. So fantastic oh, wow. list from craig and then i like this one too so this uh this is just a, a quick relay from our buddy trek live dan who's at trek live uh i need to get dan back on the show with bill Mann, our buddies uh he had five really good deep cut picks so one the alternative factor i mean classic multi, uh, mm-hmm. multiple universes contagion the iconians which was one of my picks he had the lightning storm in space from star trek 09 the og city on the edge of forever and i love his top pick was generations the nexus oh portal. yeah all portal yeah yeah, so good. Those All are right. good lists. Yeah, excellent picks. More than enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal inversion. So as always, I want to thank everyone again for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. So please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five Lower deck Season 4 moments or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 or you can just record it and send me a DM and we can link up that way too. And I can download it if you don't want to call. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we are doing a fun one. It's an episode that I originally teased more than two and a half years ago when I happened <laughs> to say in an episode that we should do game changers. Like in episode 171, I literally said that two and a half years ago. I threw it out there. And here we are. (laughs) It's episode 171, and we're doing the top five game changers, which is a pretty broad topic, and it's a nice companion to the top five improvements that we did way back on episode 107. So, Char and Todd, I'm going to give you a second 
But if you had to choose one game changer in Star Trek history, it could be in-universe, could be production, however you want to look at it, you know, a character, an event, what is coming into your head as a game changer? Char, what do you got? First thing that came to mind was the spore drive. There you go. In Discovery. Honestly, I think I might have picked that as my improvement. That's why we kept having a debate in the episode. Like, what's an improvement? What's a game changer? I'm looking this up right now. Hold on. I did. Black Alert and Spore Drive. So, nice. So that's a great pick. You're brilliant. Uh, I probably, <laughs> In fact, I probably debated in that pick. I don't know if it's an improvement or a game changer, but I'm picking it. So anyway, now, now we're doing game changers. <laughs> this is basically a sequel to episode 107. You should go back and listen to that one. Um, Todd, what is your pick for a game changer? Oh, I, I had an immediate one. And since I know we're all Voyager fans here, how about, um, Scorpion where seven of nine arrives for the first time on oh Voyager? Oh my God. There yes. you go. I mean, that That's a complete new. game changer for that show. Massive, yeah, thousand massive, percent. massive game changer. I love it. So good. Okay. I, I can't wait for this one. I mean, that episode 107 is a real fun one. And I know this one is going to be as well. Channel closed. Reset. Subspace communications. Scrambler code Riker 1. Okay. Scrambler code Riker 1 acknowledged. All right. Let's close this episode out with a huge thanks to Charlene Schmidt and Todd Keogh. It was awesome having you guys on the show. So any final Trek Scrambler codes you want to relay before we depart, Char. Well, you got my contact info at the top, but if you want to see me on more podcasts, you can actually see me on Mission Log Prodigy, but we do have an audio version of that as well. And I cannot wait to do more next oh year because God. season two is finally going to come out on Netflix. Yay! I cannot wait for season two of Prodigy. So excited. It's now like just feels like it's just outside our grasp. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's coming close. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope it's the highlight of 2024. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it could well be based on season one, how great that was. And and the fact that we, we know we get 20 more episodes, not just 10, right? We know there's yeah. 20 out there. So, And yeah. I'm, I'm dying to know like how Netflix is going to drop them, right? If they're going to do 10 at right. once and then maybe wait a couple months and do 10 or... They, they better not. No. I, I don't know. That was painful they, last they're time. They're not doing all 20 at once, Char. So I would uh, rid yourself of that dream if that's what you think. I can't see that no, happening. No, maybe not a binge, but Netflix does tend to drop in groups. Just don't make us wait eight months. That's all yeah, I ask. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe maybe eight weeks between two. That, that would be that would be fair. Eh, all right. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? I have no clue. Todd. Thank you for coming on, man. Really great job. Loved your picks. Hope you had fun. I had a, I had a blast. I'm so happy to be here. Um, as I said before, you can find me on Blue Sky. I'm not really on a ton of other podcasts, but hey, maybe this will launch me into the podcast stratosphere. You heard it, podcast. Yeah. Stepping stone for the rest of the universe. Well, listen, Todd <laughs> just crushed it on his first Trek rank. So uh, You did. Great job. I love it. Thank you so much. Do you think they'll give her time to do a little science? Unlikely, but possible. <laughs> Something tells me those Orions have bit off a lot more than they can chew. Yeah, Tendi loves Starfleet. She'll be back in no time. Come on, we got some Lieutenant Junior grading to do. When's our next briefing? Oh, 0900. Something to do with repairs to the warp manifold. Hey, that's Rutherford stuff. You'll have fun. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong with the warp manifold. Thanks, everyone, for engaging with us here on episode 170 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying... I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. 
You've got this. Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. 